You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Happy Wednesday, everybody, and it is true. You are listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. Or if it's your first time, thank you for tuning in and giving the show a try. Um, lots of uh, highlights to get to from uh, Tuesday's action. We've already got Wednesday's games underway. Uh, Braves taking it to Max Scherzer and the Washington Nationals. 6-1 right now in the bottom of the eighth. Scherzer out of that game. Uh, we had late starts for the Yankees and the Mets, but those uh, those games are underway. And uh, we've also got the Orioles uh, at the Astros. Uh, and then we've got a uh, few more uh, starts uh, for afternoon games and sort of a shorter nighttime slate. But I will take a look at how the weather might impact those later games and uh, take a look at some of the lineups. Already I've seen a bunch of uh, lineup configurations that are worth taking note of some players in, some players out that you will want to know about. So uh, I will certainly get to that. But uh, big-time performances, pitching and hitting. Tuesday's show was very pitching-heavy. Uh, Going to spend uh, probably a segment or the better part of a segment actually talking about some hitters uh, this time. Uh, can't uh, overlook uh, Didi Gregorius's big game, of course. Christian Villanueva going yard three times. Shoei Otani having a big night at the plate. At the plate, that's right. So, anyways, let me get to all that. Uh, one thing I did, actually, before I do that uh, false start here, I uh, do want to start off by mentioning that uh, the Royals at the Tigers has been postponed. That's going to be made up as a doubleheader later this month. So, uh, that's, oh, and uh, pitchers, probably I know about that. Everybody, the Royals rotation is uh, pushed back, so it looks like that is going to ruin the two-start week. For Jake Junis, maybe it's just as well that he quits while he's ahead because the second start was going to be at the Indians. He had a very nice first start uh, that I will uh, get to later on in the show. And as far as the Tigers are concerned, a little less clarity there. Um, Daniel Norris and Jordan Zimmerman have been pushed back a day. Uh, so that'll be uh, the, the pitching rotation for Friday, Saturday. Or, I'm sorry, I think it's Thursday, Friday. So pardon uh, the error there. And then for Sunday at the White Sox, it's not clear because there's not a uh, an announced starter there, whether or not it's going to be Francisco Liriano or Matt Boyd. If they stay in rotation, it's going to be Liriano. So I'm not sure why the Tigers have not announced that yet. That would make me think maybe Matt Boyd has a shot to start on Sunday. All right, let's uh, then move on with uh, some of the news from the last 24 hours or so. The big uh, big story here is that Jake Lamb was placed on the 10-day disabled list with sprained left AC joint. I uh, have not seen anything yet in terms of uh, a likely timetable for Jake Lamb. Uh, and for Tuesday's game, uh, Diamondbacks versus the Dodgers, of course, Dodgers uh, put uh, Clayton, Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw on the mound. And Devin Marrero, who was acquired uh, not long before opening day, he got the start at third base in place of Jake Lamb. And he is in the lineup again because it's going to be Alex Wood, another lefty on the mound for the Dodgers. But just bear in mind, if you're looking at this, I think about a Devin Marrero pickup, that's more of a deep league consideration, even under the best circumstances. Uh, I think uh, over the longer haul, it's going to be probably a lot of Daniel Descalso, uh, I would think. Although, well, you know, they're, they're going to have to mix and match. So I think you're, you you will see Marrero regularly against lefties because Descalso, the, the alignment that the, that the Diamondbacks seem to be going with is Descalso at second, Catel Marte shifting back over to shortstop. Um, so I think probably you'll see Descalso at third versus righties, Marrero versus lefties, and maybe Chris Owings uh, getting the occasional start at either second or third. So in, in other words, I mean, other than Owings, not really any players that uh, are likely to gain anything. And even with Owings, he's you know getting a good amount of playing time in the outfield. So nobody's really gaining uh, as a result of Lamb being uh, on the shelf. Michael Conforto uh, has traveled with the team or is going to travel with the team to Washington. 
and he is expected to be activated on Thursday. That's just a day away. So uh, that according to the New York Post. So great news there uh, for Conforto. We'll see if he uh, is in the Mets lineup right away. And uh, Aaron Hicks, uh, he's on the 10-day DL. But uh, according to MLB.com, team is expecting that it will just be a minimum DL stay for Hicks, which means he could be back on April 9th. And he uh, is scheduled to take 80 swings today. It's a lot of swings. JT Romuto, uh, it seems like little by little, we've been sharpening the focus in terms of a return date. Now we have almost an exact targeted return date. This according to Craig Mish of SiriusXM. Uh, Real Muto, who, by the way, is uh, starting a rehab assignment at uh, Jupiter, which is the, the Marlins' um, Florida State League Advanced Class A affiliate. So he's starting his rehab there. And uh, the, the target return date for Real Muto is either April 19th or 20th. So just a little over two weeks away. So some good, pretty good news for uh, Real Muto owners. Matt Shoemaker has hit the 10-day DL. He's got a right forearm strain. It is apparently a pretty similar issue to the one that he had last year when he missed uh, a big chunk of the season. But uh, according to Shoemaker, um, he he thinks that this uh, situation won't be as bad. It won't be uh, as long of an absence that uh, if he you know, takes, takes care of it now, that he might not be out for that long. So uh, hopefully we'll see Matt Shoemaker back on the mound soon. In the meantime, uh, moves to help the Angels maintain that uh, six-man rotation. Uh, Andrew Heaney, uh, he's uh, still uh, on the DL, but he is going to uh, have a an 80 to 90 pitch stint in a minor league game on Friday, and then he could be back after that. So that would uh, put him in position maybe to make a start next Wednesday. Uh, this according to the LA Times. And also, the team has recalled Parker Bridwell from AAA Salt Lake. And Bridwell will just slide right into Shoemaker's slot and make the start this Friday uh, against the Oakland Athletics. I prefer to call the A's, but sometimes I have to go formal with that. Kent Tobias had a very nice uh, first start of the year. Very intriguing. But you know how last year Maeda and and, and Ryu, you know, they were sort of... uh, sort of jumping between uh, starting and, and relief roles, you know, basically both filling swingman-type roles. Well, at least for Maeda, looks like a very similar situation for this year. Dave Roberts wants to keep Clayton Kershaw on regular rest. And so in order to do that, uh, he's going to have to take somebody out of the rotation before Sunday, which is when Kershaw would make his start. After all, Kershaw started like yesterday, which was Tuesday, so keep him on schedule. He's got to be there uh, in the rotation on Sunday to face the Giants at AT&T Park. So it's going to be Maeda going to the bullpen uh, in the interim. So Maeda will lose his uh, his next start, his next turn in the rotation, and the uh, order, particularly for Friday and Saturday, has not yet been decided. So right now, they, other than Kershaw pitching on Sunday, the uh, Dodgers rotation is, is sort of up in the air right now, but Maeda taking a respite from it. Uh, the Yankees have claimed Trace Thompson off of waivers from the Dodgers. He was uh, DFA'd by the Dodgers just a few days back. So giving the, the Yankees uh, some much-needed outfield depth with uh, the injuries that they've they've recently sustained. Aledmus Diaz, uh, who's been uh, filling in at shortstop for the Blue Jays, he left Tuesday's game with the White Sox with back spasms, doesn't sound too serious, but I've not seen uh, anything regarding uh, you know, when he's returned or uh, really any more detail on that. And while I have the presence of mind to think of it, we do not have a Blue Jays lineup yet. I wouldn't expect him to be in it today. Wouldn't expect Diaz to be in there. Uh, it was Gift and Gopi that uh, filled in for Diaz on Tuesday after uh, Diaz left that game. We do, by the way, have a White Sox lineup, but nothing too unusual there. In fact, Yolm Sanchez is back in the lineup. He sat yesterday, and uh, uh, Tyler Saladino uh, took over at third base. But Aaron Sanchez, the righty, is in there, so 
Elmer Sanchez is, is back in the White Sox line, but nothing yet for the Blue Jays. Uh, so let's see. So, yeah, so Diaz uh, probably out for a little bit uh, there. Pat Neshek's, uh MRI yesterday. Fortunately, didn't turn up anything uh, significant. According to Philly.com, just revealed some inflammation. But uh, Nishik will be down for a couple more weeks. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, keep tabs on on that situation. Uh, as far as bullpens go, by the way, pretty quiet day and night on Tuesday. Uh, Kenley Jansen did not make an appearance for the Dodgers. So that uh, we were still sort of waiting with bated breath to see how he does his next time out. Uh, the Angels situation, uh, they had a, a blowout win yesterday, so uh, there was no chance of uh, any sort of save opportunity there. But nonetheless, Blake Parker got a little bit of work in, pitched the eighth inning of that game uh, without incident, by the way, which is good. But I was so curious, and I, I wrote about this in the bullpen report on Rotographs, so you can, can also read about it there. But uh, I included a tweet from Jeff Fletcher, who's a, an Angels beat reporter for the Orange County Register. And the way he phrased it uh, to me was very interesting. Something along the lines of Parker, who was the closer for the Angels this weekend. So that, that really hints to, without saying it outright, a fluid situation. Which, again, if you, you followed what happened last year with the Angels bullpen, it's no surprise. Uh, Mike Sosha did not settle on a closer. Uh, there was fluidity in that situation all season long, and maybe that's just 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 uh, Jeff Fletcher, <laughs> maybe uh, in a sense being trained by Mike Sosha not to uh, take liberties with uh, referring to people as closers. But it was it was curious wording, right? You wouldn't just say the Angels closer; it was the Angels closer for this past weekend. So I I'm trying not to read too much into that, other than to just recognize. Could be a fluid situation there. Uh, so if you're a, a Parker owner, that's uh, you know something that you always have to to be wary of, and you know especially when he's struggling. Uh, you know if he if he really nails down the job, that's another thing. But uh, Blake Parker's uh, really quite a ways from that. And also Edwin Diaz ended a pretty neat streak yesterday. Got uh, uh, got the save for the Mariners. But and, and it was a, a perfect inning for him. Started off with two strikeouts. He uh, retired uh, eight batters, and, and it wasn't consecutively retired, but each of the first eight batters that Edwin Diaz retired this season all struck out. So when Diaz got the third out last night with a pop-up, that, that broke a streak of eight straight uh, outs achieved by way of strikeout. So that's just a, a neat way of showing that Edwin Diaz in the first week is absolutely locked in, has been the best closer in baseball, best closer in fantasy for the last six days. So you can take that to the bank and you know probably not get a whole lot for that. But it, it, it's something. If you're a Diaz owner, you're, you're certainly very, very happy with that. All right, well, let's uh, go check in on lineups. Uh, let me see. So I'm going to just take one more check. We do have a Blue Jays lineup. I didn't expect that. So, uh, yep, Gift Gopi is the starting shortstop. He is batting ninth. Kendris Morales uh, in at DH. So there's uh, nothing strange going on there uh, in terms of Josh Donaldson getting moved back to DH. Donaldson playing third base again, batting second. And, yeah, pretty much regular lineup there. Russell Martin also back in the lineup after being out yesterday. Uh, he's batting sixth against Carson Fulmer and the White Sox. Some other notable things in the lineups, some big names sitting today. Uh, for the Astros, no Carlos Correa and no Ed Gattis. So uh, Correa, of course, he sustained the minor toe injury uh, recently. So um, he is, I think, probably just getting a day off to rest. And uh, as for Gaddis, I mean, he's just not going to be in there regularly. So um, he's uh, he is going to be out. It's going to be Max Stacy behind the plate, batting sixth for the Astros against Dylan Bundy and the Orioles. Marwan Gonzalez is going to play some shortstop. So you have J.D. Davis 
over at uh, first base. So kind of a little bit of a different lineup there for the Houston Astros against the Orioles. Uh, we got no Cody Bellinger against Patrick Corbin and the Diamondbacks. So uh, I believe it's, I'm going to double check this. Yes, Enrique Hernandez got a cleanup and playing first base. Uh, got Kyle Farmer getting a start for the Dodgers and batting eighth, uh, Farmer playing third. And uh, Chris Davis, who's been leading off for the Orioles, he is going to sit. He has had an absolutely dreadful start to the season. So not only is it you know, probably a good excuse because the Orioles are, are going to be facing uh, Dallas Keuchel, but uh, you know probably just a, a breather for, um, uh, for, for Chris Davis there. Neil Walker will not be in the starting lineup for, or uh, actually, it's, well, that game's already underway. Neil Walker not in the starting lineup for the Yankees uh, against Blake Snell. Phillies uh, going without Odubel Herrera and Scott Kingery. And again, Kingery right now looks like he's going to be out pretty pretty periodically. But no uh, Odubel Herrera uh, as part of that uh, outfield rotation. And there is going to be Shoei Otani DHing again after a big game uh, last night for the Angels. So we're going to get to see Otani versus Corey Kluber. I am definitely going to check in on that. That is pretty cool. So good stuff there. Uh, and as far as the weather is concerned, of course, we had a couple of late starts. It's the Yankees and the Mets. The only other game that looks problematic is Twins and Pirates. Uh, according to Roto-Grinders, uh, uh, the forecast on their site, 40% chance of rain to start the game. But then it goes down. So maybe just a delay there, if that, in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, anyways, uh, lots, lots more to come. Stick around. Be reviewing the stand-up performances from Tuesday right after the break. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and going to have to just make a little bit of a detour from uh, my plans to start this segment because uh, there is some breaking news. Charlie Blackman has signed a six-year, $108 million contract extension with the Rockies. Uh, he was due to be a free agent after the season. Uh, his period of team control was going to be up. And uh, you, know, you recall, it almost seemed like a, a right of, uh, <laughs> of uh, fancy baseball season that we would talk about uh, Carlos Gonzalez and Charlie Blackman being uh, uh, potential uh, trade targets for other teams, that the, their you know, contracts are going to be up. And then, of course, uh, you know, Cargo did become a free agent, re-signed with the Rockies this past off season, And, and those rumors about Blackman just uh, kind of faded away the last year or so. Uh, so now, uh, yeah, no worries at all about Charlie Blackman going anywhere. Uh, this report coming from uh, NBC Sports, uh, Craig Calcaterra. So, uh, you know, not a whole lot of impact there other than if you were somehow, for some reason, worried about Charlie Blackman leaving Coors Field, uh, that apparently is never, ever going to happen, uh, or at least not for uh, the next six years. And there are also uh, player options for 2022 and 2023. So... He could be hitting balls out of course field for, uh, for quite a while. Also, another uh, piece of news that I didn't get into the last segment, Michael Brantley is expected to be activated on Friday and make his season debut. So he's been uh, getting a little extra time to uh, recover from uh, uh, off-season ankle surgery, but apparently the Indians have deemed that Michael Brantley is going to be ready. So 
Uh, we'll see how he does this weekend. Obviously, if it's a you know, daily lineup, you can consider get him, getting him in there. But for for week three, you know, barring any kind of setback, looks like Michael Brantley is going to be viable uh, then for weekly leagues. So as promised, uh, I am going to get to a whole bunch of standout performances from Tuesday's games. Uh, maybe I'll take another quick look, time permitting, at uh, today's games in progress. Uh, before I do, though, uh, just uh, know that you can dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contests this summer. How? How can you do that? With Daily Roto's MLB projections and Optimizer. Just go to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with a promo code FNTSY, and then you can use all the same tools and projections that Millionaire Maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools don't just work for football. This is the very same site that Drew used for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live Final Finish. So head on over to dailyroto.com slash premium, save 10% with that promo code FNTSY, and see the results for yourself. All right, on to, let's start with the hitters. Give them their due since we talked about when I met with Deke out the show Tuesday, talked about like three hitters, I think. So <laughs> a few more notable performances this time around. Let's start with Didi Gregorius. Big, big game for him. Went four for four uh, with a walk. So he reached all five times coming to the plate. Two of those resulted in a home run. He drove in eight runs uh, against the Rays, part of a not-so-great uh, day for Chris Archer, and I'll be talking about that a little bit later. And, you know, for those of you who have listened to the show for a while, uh, what I'm about to say, you, you could probably say it along with me uh, because I, I find it impossible to talk about Didi Gregorius without without uh, mentioning the mismatch between his batted ball data and his results. And it's not a thing that you could just chalk up to Yankee Stadium. Maybe you could chalk it some, somewhat up to being in the AL East and having a lot of hitter-friendly parks to go to. But really, as far as power is concerned, Gregorius's home road splits as a Yankee have been pretty fair, pretty even. Uh, all in total, in the last two seasons, so not including uh, this season, including uh, yesterday's game, Gregorius as a Yankee hit 45 home runs combined, 2016 and 2017. And yet he has had hard contact rates in like the mid-20s, which is what you would typically see of somebody who doesn't even hit 10 or a dozen home runs in a year. So huge, huge mismatch, mismatch there. And just to you know, kind of put a, a precise number on this, if you go over to xstats.org and you look at their normalized stats, uh, take, basically making an estimate of what that player would produce based on launch angle, exit velocity, uh, based on venues, all that sort of thing. Take all that into account. According to XStats, Gregorius should have hit, over the last two years, 27 home runs instead of 45. That's a huge difference. So what you see, well, you know, say if you go to Fangraphs and you look at his batted ball profile, and you're like, wow, how does he hit all those home runs with such a low hard contact rate? Uh, you, you double check that XStats and you see that it just it doesn't add up. Uh, now we're looking at the very, very small sample of 2018. Gregorius is hitting at a higher launch angle this year. So maybe he'll be able to live up to that. Of course, that might also mean that he could pay a price in terms of batting average. And, you know, it's, uh, I don't know. It's still a head scratcher. So, uh, you know, great game for Gregorius. Can't, uh, you know, take that away from him. Uh, but, uh, I still remain skeptical, I have to say. And, you know, fortunately, you know, he's hitting in the, the meat of the Yankees lineup. You're going to get a lot of run-producing opportunities. He does have value. I'm not trying to say uh, he's not worth owning, even in a 12-team mixed league. I, who am always skeptical of Didi Gregorius, own him in a 12-team mixed league. I haven't played him yet, which really bums me out because <laughs> I would have liked to have started him yesterday. But, uh, you know, I recognize at minimum, even if he regresses, there's some good run-producing opportunities there for Gregorius. But uh, I'm going to come back to Gregorius a little bit later because I want to I want to put this in even more perspective uh, than just going to the batted ball stats and the X stats uh, estimates and all that. Uh, let's talk about some good and happy here. Uh, Shohei Otani went three for four and hit his first major league home run on Tuesday, so uh, that has earned him another start. 
He is, as I mentioned uh, in the first segment of the show, is going to get uh, to bat against Corey Kluber later on today. So uh, we'll see how Otani fares there. But his first home run comes off of Josh Tomlin, who is a bit homer prone. I'm not trying to take anything away from Shoei Otani. Uh, love to see him uh, you know, pick a hit or more uh, against Corey Kluber. And I own Corey Kluber. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, it'd just be a cool thing to see. Christian Villanueva had a huge game, three home runs against the Rockies, uh, at Petco park also was hit by pitch. So he reached every time he was up on Tuesday and, uh, you may recall, or maybe not because it was a very small sample and it happened pretty quickly late in the season. Villanueva did make 32 plate appearances with the Padres last season and he had four home runs during that quick span. So I actually read somewhere this morning that the only player to hit more home runs in his first 14 games uh, is Trevor Story. So that uh, puts that into, into some perspective. And Villanueva, I mean, this might seem like this comes out of nowhere, but um, he is somebody who I, I wouldn't say he is um, – you know, a, a, a total all-or-nothing type hitter because in the minor leagues he didn't strike out all that much. But in some ways, he sort of is like the next coming of Ryan Schimpf because he's got a, a long history in the minors of hitting a lot of fly balls and very, very strong pull tendencies. So uh, and, and there's some real power there to boot. So, you know, that's going to get accentuated with that kind of hitting profile. Uh, and uh, based on this performance, and you know, just may- maybe not just solely based on this performance, but the Padres manager Andy Green says he's going to give Villanueva a little bit more of a shot to work in some playing time uh, as part of that third base group. Really, not even just a tandem, but really a, a three-way competition between Chase Headley, Corey Spangenberg, and then Villanueva himself. So uh, it- it's hard to see him just sort of run away and and become the everyday third baseman. But we'll see where this goes because he'd be a really intriguing power source with more playing time than what he's been getting. Uh, Josh Reddick had a two-homer game. Uh, so th- those are homers number one and number two uh, of the season for Reddick. Uh, that coming against uh, the Orioles. And Tim Anderson is off to a fantastic start this season, and he built on that on Tuesday at Toronto with a 3-4 performance that included his third home run of the season. Now, here's where I'm going to bring D. Gregorius back in uh, because I talked about how Gregorius, he's hitting with a little bit of a higher launch angle. His exit velocity is pretty much identical to what it's been the last couple of years. So, you know, Gregorius is off to a good start, but, you know, not not like radical changes. And again, we are talking small, small samples here. Small samples. But I'm going to make a little caveat here to my cautions about ignoring data from so, small samples. A, just a little caveat, a little exception. That if, if you see a really extreme change in a small sample, that's going to get my attention a little bit more uh, because, I mean, look, if, if we're talking, like I said, like in two games that somebody is is doing something extremely different, that that's pretty much meaningless. After five or six games, it's not that meaningful. But if you're talking about somebody, you know, over the course of, uh, you know, a, a dozen batted balls doing something that is just radically different from what they did before, it might, you know, it might change completely. They're, they're probably going to regress. But when you're talking about repeating this extreme difference, not just once, not just twice, not just five times, but maybe a dozen times, maybe 20 times, uh, it, it's it's worth at least tracking, if not acting on it. It's worth tracking pretty closely. And the thing about Tim Anderson is he has made those extreme changes. His uh, launch angle has increased by about threefold. He is hitting fly balls at a 64% rate. And it's not with weak contact. Last year, Anderson's average exit velocity was 85.0 miles per hour. All right. Get a number in your head right now. Like, <laughs> what might it be? 88, 92. Wait, there's more. 96.6 miles an hour is what Anderson is averaging on exit velocity through these first few days of the season. So again, 
could absolutely regress. But that's an extreme improvement, not just a difference, an extreme improvement. So with that in mind, okay, so you've got two shortstops, one Gregorius, who's now had a couple of years of very steady, solid production. You've got Tim Anderson, who struggled for much of last season, uh, you, you know, a younger player than Gregorius, uh, not as established, but, you know, also off to a very good start. So I thought hmm, this, this could be a good Twitter poll. So and I pretty much had an idea of how this was going to pan out. But uh, the question I've got there is of uh, or between Tim Anderson and Didi Gregorius, which one? We rather own rest of season, and it was an absolute landslide. Gregorius got 85% of the vote. A lot of people voted in this one, too. So um, 85% for Gregorius, 15% for uh, Tim Anderson. So overwhelmingly, people are trusting the proven production of D.D. Gregorius. And all I would say is this. I mean, look, if, if you ask me, since I just said I own D.D. Gregorius on team, would I drop him for Tim Anderson? No, I won't. Uh, am I dropping somebody else to try to get Tim Anderson? Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have both of them on my roster. It's hard to roster both, but to, to you know, kind of see how this plays out. And uh, I do want to, where possible, to roster Tim Anderson. Because, again, uh, the, he could just completely regress. A week from now, he could be saying, you know, what exit velocity? You know, what homer binge are we talking about here? Uh, but, you know, if there's something to this, it's going to be – he's going to have a mass breakout. And uh, I, I'm clearly going to give Gregorius the, the sizable edge here in terms of run production. Uh, talking OBP league, uh, I think uh, Gregorius is going to you know have that category hands down. But uh, Anderson just might have mammoth power. Again, it, it's, it's very speculative. Um, you know, as of right now, I would not – prefer Anderson over Gregorius, I would have voted with the majority here. I was interested to see how many people would go the other way on this one. 50%. Probably a little less, actually, than I would have expected. But I think Anderson, if Gregorius does some regression after two years of seemingly overproducing home runs with the Yankees, if he regresses and Anderson can just keep some you know, decent fraction of this uh, improvement that he's made, I think Anderson will be the, the more valuable of the two shortstops. And again, that's a whole bunch of ifs. I'm not saying I believe it right now. I'm saying if that scenario presents itself, Anderson's going to be the shortstop out of the two that you want. Another middle infielder with an unexpected power surge. I'd say actually far less expected than Tim Anderson because he's shown some power before. Joe Panic hit his third home run of the season on Tuesday against the Mariners, and he has now hit not just three home runs total, but three home runs against lefties. So last night's was against Marco Gonzalez, and then he homered off uh, Clayton Kershaw and Kenley Jansen. So interesting group there, uh, hitting power power against lefties. Uh, sort of a similar thing with Didi Gregorius, though. No real change in exit velocity for Panic, and actually an even more muted increase in launch angle for him. So hard to explain what's going on with Joe Panic. Really may just be a small sample artifact. But it's intriguing that he is homered off of three left or two lefties. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think I said that earlier. So pardon my error there. Two lefties, not three lefties. Uh, Kershaw and Gonzalez, but also a very good righty in Kelly Jansen. Uh, although, of course, got lots of questions right now about if Jansen is at 100%. And if not, what, what percent is he, he pitching at? And a couple more hitters uh, just to take note of. Uh, Preston Tucker. On Tuesday, went two for four with a homer against the Nationals. And then he homered again. So back-to-back -back games with homers for Preston Tucker. Homered again earlier today off of Max Scherzer, who, as I mentioned earlier, had sort of a rough outing. And see if I can pull up a final line. He also made a critical out uh, uh, strikeout uh, against uh, Scherzer when the game really could have uh, gone out of control. And we do have a final on that now. Uh, Braves prevailed 7-1 to one in that one. And Tucker finished with a very good line here. One for two, the one hit being the home run off of Scherzer, but he also walked. And uh, that home run was a, a three-run homer, so he did finish with three RBIs on the day. So Preston Tucker, don't know how long the shelf life is there uh, with Ronald Acuna uh, in the minors, but showed some good power potential 
with the uh, Astros and, and now uh, showing it again with the Braves. And then lastly, ending here on a negative note, Rugnet Odor did go two for four, but still uh, just has three hits on the season, three for 20, all singles. And he got thrown out twice by Jonathan Lucroy trying to steal. Uh, so rough, rough start for jo- uh, for uh, Rugnet Odor, although maybe turning around a little bit uh, in Tuesday's game against the Brewers or against the A's. Sorry about that. Lucroy is an A now. Anyways, time for a break. Come back with the pitchers from Tuesday. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Hopefully, you don't want to be sedated listening to the show. Uh, <laughs> and you won't want to be because I've got a lot of uh, good pitching performances and a few not-so-good ones to, to cover and uh, some analysis to, to hopefully shed a lot of light on all of that. Uh, before I get to that, uh, just going to quickly check in. With a, a few of the games right now, we got the uh, Yankees and Mets uh, hosting games. Uh, we got the Orioles and uh, Astros two to one. Orioles leading uh, top of the fifth, and uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks just underway uh, in that one. Uh, but in the Yankees uh, Rays game, Stanton is homered, so making up for that uh, horrible five strikeout game on Tuesday where he got booed. Also, Gary Sanchez homer his first of the season. And for the Mets, Jonas Cespedes has left the yard. So uh, lots of offense already uh, here on Wednesday. Uh, okay, well, uh, let's get uh, away from the hitters for a little while and take a look at some of the, the pitching performances. Now, uh, I, I mentioned uh, in discussing Didi Gregorius and his big game that some of that damage came off of Chris Archer. Uh, another disappointing start for him. Now, he did get eight strikeouts in five innings uh, against the Yankees, but gave up four runs, uh, walked three batters, six hits. So we're going to look at ERA or whip, not a, a terrific uh, game for Archer. You know, as a 6.55 ERA. And, you know, I, I liked Archer in drafts this year because he seemed to be getting shoved about a a, a tier below. I thought it belonged looking at that strikeout ability that he did show against the Yankees uh, control. That's, you know, good enough. Uh, I, I certainly wouldn't put him in like a, a Robbie Ray category where you worry about the, the impact of the strikeouts getting neutralized by questionable control. Uh, but the things Archer did, the thing he shared with, with Ray uh, is that what he got hit, he got hit hard last year. And that got backed up, uh, whether you're looking at average fly ball distance or you're looking at hard contact rate. Uh, clearly, he was hittable when he wasn't being unhittable. I know it doesn't really make a lot of sense the way I put that. But uh, you know, so far, as two starts this year, he's allowed a 233 isolated power, which is horrible. Great for the hitters. Really bad for a pitcher to be anywhere near 200, much less 33 points above it. He has like uh, balls to be pulled uh, at a 55% rate, which again, it's like facing Christian Villanueva every bat. Um, so that's not, you know, if, it, if the balls are on the ground, that's actually a good thing. But when the balls are in the air, that means more home runs, more extra base hits. And he has a 37 BABIP to show it. You can maybe say that's bad luck. I think it probably it's a little bad luck. And a lot of just getting hit really hard. So this is concerning to me uh, that Archer is continuing this trend that he showed last season. And, and actually in the first two starts, it's you know far worse than it was last season. So he's scheduled to start on Sunday at the Red Sox. And we'll see if he can uh, do, uh, do better there. And that's going to be a tough one because the Red Sox have been 
the one of the lineups with the fewest strikeouts so far. So um, you know that's that's going to be uh, uh, you know a challenging matchup for sure. And if he on the, on the good side, if he does come through much better in that one, be a real confidence builder for the Chris Archer owner. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jack Flaherty and his uh, performance for uh, for the Cardinals as uh, Adam Wainwright's replacement. And Cole Hamels, who also had another interesting start. But before I do, I want to just talk a little bit about something that I wrote yesterday, wrote for Rotographs, uh, and the piece is about Andrew Triggs. And the reason why I'm talking about this piece from Andrew Triggs, I'm going to talk about uh, Flaherty and Hamels, is that the gist of the article, and I won't dig into it too much, but I hope you do go and read it, uh, is that what Andrew Triggs has done for most of his fairly limited major league career is mimic a lot of the statistical profile of Tyson Ross. And yet, for reasons I have yet to understand, he's not been able to mimic uh, the good strikeout rate that Tyson Ross had in his best seasons, particularly his, his best season of all, his 2015 season. Uh, so, you know, basically, you know, writing, you know, that Andrew Triggs could, could be a much better strikeout pitcher than his track record would suggest. But the thing about Triggs and Tyson Ross is they have a profile that I really could not find for any other starting pitcher over the last few years. Uh, both don't pitch in the zone very much, so not great control. Uh, they also don't get a lot of swings, and that sounds like a bad thing, right? So if you're pitching out of the zone and you're not getting a lot of swings, then that would seem like you would not be getting very many strikeouts and you would be getting a lot of walks. <laughs> not good. Uh, but the thing that the two pitchers have in common that allows them to be better than other pitchers with that sort of profile is that when they do pitch out of the zone, they get a lot of swings and misses. So overall, not a lot of swings, but when they get the swings on, on bad pitches, uh, they get a lot of whiffs. And so you, you saw that with Andrew Triggs in his season debut uh, with the, just a nasty curveball. Um, so what does this have to do with uh, Jack Flaherty and Cole Hamels? Well, as, as rare of a profile as this is, both of these pitchers uh, in – you get very, very limited innings in 2018 uh, are are showing a similar profile. Now, I, again, I, I don't want this to be misinterpreted. For Camels, it's two starts. For Flaherty, it's one start. It's very, very, very limited innings, very, very limited number of pitches. So I'm not saying they're going down this Tyson Roth career path. Um, Hamels has already had a career path, but you, you know what I'm saying. Um what I am just saying is that it, it, you look at the results for both of them getting a lot of strikeouts, and it's just curious to note how they've gotten them a very unconventional way. Flaherty against the Brewers on Tuesday, five innings but nine strikeouts, only one run, only one walk, six hits, very good start overall. But not a lot of pitches in the zone. He got a total of eight swings and misses on pitches that were not in the strike zone, and seven of those came on his slider. So pretty nasty slider there for Jack Flaherty. Now, as good as the start was, uh, are we going to get a chance to see if this could be a formula that Flaherty repeats? I don't know, because Adam Wainwright, there was a report within the last day or so from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch that Adam Wainwright might return as soon as Thursday. That's tomorrow. Uh, the Cardinals are still listing Michael Waka as their starter for that game. So... Um, you know, I don't know. I, and, and the thing is, you could definitely make the argument that Flaherty pitched well enough to deserve another, deserve another turn. But who goes out? Who goes out of the rotation? That Luke Weaver? I mean, there's there's nobody that seems plausible. Uh, Miles Michaelis, maybe. Uh, it doesn't really seem that plausible to me. Maybe they go six man. Maybe Flaherty, even after that great set, start, maybe he gets sent down. I don't know. I don't think a decision's been made. Uh, but that's going to be one to obviously track over the next couple of days. Cole Hamels also went five innings. He got 11 strikeouts. Also, just like Flaherty, allowed just one run on only four hits, but three walks. So pretty similar line, but even more strikeouts. And so that's two starts in a row where Hamels has put up far more than a strikeout per inning. Some issues with walks there. Uh, part of what's going on with Hamels, and he pretty much telegraphed this to us, in spring training, that he wanted to rely less on his fastball. And so he is throwing a bunch more cutters this year. And that pitch in particular 
has been his Tyson Rotich, or uh, if you prefer, his Andrew Bixpitch. That uh, he doesn't throw it in the zone much uh, very often, but batters are just chasing it and looking really silly. So uh, it's, it's going to be a mixed bag with Hamels if he continues on this path because the whip night might not be all that great, but uh, he could be super helpful with strikeouts, which is something I definitely wouldn't have predicted after uh, last season when he had uh, a real dearth of strikeouts. So a lot of times players say things in spring training and they, they predict what they're going to do, and it seems like the vast majority of the time nothing, <laughs> nothing comes of it. But uh, Hamels' prediction that he was going to be a strikeout pitcher again after two starts, after two big starts, uh, at least so far, holding true to the promise. Clayton Kershaw uh, last night against uh, the Diamondbacks. Overall, pretty nice start. Uh, Matt Medica was on the show yesterday. He said he was really, really interested in this one. I, you know, we all were. Um, with the, the velocity being down Kershaw in the first start. Uh, but uh, in this one, a little bit of a rebound. Not a big one, but a little rebounded velocity in his first start. Uh, Kershaw averaged 91.0 miles an hour on his fastball. This one, 91.8 which gets him, I think, uh, about a mile an hour uh, behind where he was same time last season. So slightly encouraging. And then the overall results, uh, six innings, two runs on four hits and a walk with six strikeouts. Nothing really wrong with that. Uh, but the two runs did come on solo homers to Daniel Descalso and David Peralta. So he's now given up three home runs this season in just 12 innings, and all three have been to lefty batters, and that's just weird. If you're looking for another sign of encouragement from Kershaw, he's been absolutely dominant against righties. So maybe this is just some weird fluke or, uh, you know, something with, uh, uh, I, I, I honestly don't know uh, why he would be uh, not doing well against lefties, but uh, it is still a very limited sample, and the increase in velocity is another uh positive that you can point to. But I would also point to this to sort of uh, come back to the negative. Last season, Kershaw allowed 1.2 home runs per nine innings, which is not awful. I mean, in this environment, that basically counts as about an average home run rate, just maybe slightly worse than average. But we're talking about Clayton Kershaw, and one of the things that's made him the number one fantasy pitcher for the last few years is that whatever indicator you look at, he crushes it, and that includes a home run rate. So to say that he's merely average or maybe a little worse than average something, that, you know, that's something that, that would no longer separate him from the pack. Would you know not only maybe place him you know, firmly within the big four and not a clear number one amongst the big four, but maybe something that makes him even a little worse than the other three. So, you know, I, I, I certainly overlooked it. I mean, not to say I was unaware of it, but he was still my number one pitcher going into the season. And maybe I did not give enough weight to the fact that he stranded 87% of his base runners last year because Kershaw's always really good at stranding base runners because he's good at everything. <laughs> but uh, there's good as an 80, 81%, and then there's 87% as in no way that you could do this again. So just something to keep in mind with Clayton Kershaw. But I think, I, you know, I'm optimistic. I just don't know that, uh, you know, we're necessarily going to see the same Clayton Kershaw uh, that we saw, you know, a couple, you know, two, three, four years ago. Zach Godley, uh, he was uh, the opposite number to Kershaw in that game. He went seven innings. He only got three strikeouts, but gave up a run on four hits and a walk. Um, so, you know, not a, a whole lot in terms of dominance there from Godley. And his velocity is down. Uh, he averaged in the start 90.1 miles an hour as compared to being around 92 uh, for most of the 2017 season, including early on. So uh, that is maybe slightly concerning about Godley, but he did generate a whole lot of soft contact in this game. So, you know, that's the thing with him is if he's not getting the swings and misses, you can be pretty certain he's going to be getting the, the weak grounders. Jake Judas, Jake Junis and Matt Boyd faced off and uh, had pitchers duel. Junis went seven innings, did not give up a run, and only allowed three hits and a walk with six strikeouts against the Tigers. So that's a great performance. Uh, something a little uh, maybe, I would say misleading, but I, I guess uh, what I'm driving at here is that if we're going to play, is it the pitcher or the matchup? 
I think some of this goes to the matchup. Because Junis, he's a, he's a big-time strike thrower. So you figure he's not going to walk a lot of batters. But he's not always necessarily going to be really close to a strikeout per inning. But he got, uh, in this game, a 39% swing rate on pitches outside the zone, which is very high. But the Tigers have one of the highest swing rates on pitches outside of the zone in the major leagues. So might have been helped out there a little bit by the Tigers. But Junis has a uh, projected two-start week coming up, uh, facing the Mariners and the Angels at home. Of course, you can never always count on uh, can never, never always. What is that? You can never count on a, a pitcher on a Wednesday uh, to make the both both the projected starts the following week. But that's how it projects for him. Uh, Boyd uh, six innings, one run on four hits, no walks, one strikeout. He's got the Indians in Cleveland and the Yankees at Yankee Stadium next week. That is gross as far as uh, matchups go, and uh, his velocity is down a couple miles per hour. So uh, and just one strikeout for Boyd in this game. So I'm pretty lukewarm on him despite the really good start. Jose Urania had a good bounce back. He was not good on opening day against the Cubs, but gets the Red Sox on Tuesday, seven innings, seven strikeouts, just one run on four hits and a walk. He threw 41 sliders out of 109 total pitches. So uh, hopefully we see more of that in the future because that should keep that uh, strikeout rate up where it was against the Red Sox. That's a pretty cool thing to see. He's got the Mets and the Pirates next week. Pretty decent matchups for Urania, somebody maybe to consider as a two-star pitcher. And then finally, speaking of the Mets, uh, Harvey with a pretty nice start against the Phillies. Five scoreless innings, just a one-hit performance, one walk, five strikeouts. Uh, his velocity is down too, though, and it, you know, middle of last summer, his velocity was down from where it normally was. Well, at yesterday's start, it was even a little bit lower than that. But he did get more slider movement than he had all last season. So maybe that was a key to uh, Harvey's success. Although the swings and misses he got were more on the fastball than on the slider. But again, you know, depending on how he was sequencing and, and all that, uh, it still could have had an impact. So uh, encouraging uh, start there for, for Matt Harvey, who I've really not been trusting. And I still, to be honest, don't, don't completely trust. But, uh, you know, that could be, be a building block uh, towards maybe uh, being relevant, uh, you know, pretty much everywhere in fantasy. So that's going to wrap it up for, uh, for this show. And uh, tomorrow it is the return of Nando Thursday. So you had a show of me talking for a full hour, sandwiched by a uh, Modica Tuesday. And now we're going to have Nando Thursday tomorrow. Looking forward to that. We'll take a fir uh, our first peek at uh, complete peek at two start pitchers for week three and a whole lot more. So be sure to tune in for that. Have a great day, everybody. See you tomorrow. Does your fantasy team suck? Maybe you need us. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The only free 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network.